So this morning I have the amazing privilege of sharing on worship with you. Um, we're going to be ending the series now and forever. We've been doing a series on worship. And uh, James started, uh, started us off, um, and he spoke about how worship is about God and us. And then Nancy spoke last week, and she spoke about the clash of kingdoms. Um, and this morning, I'm going to be sharing on the expression of worship, what worship looks like um, in terms of our physical bodies and our hearts, and also uh, what happens when we worship um, the anointing of God comes, and some of the things that maybe prevent us from worshiping in the fullness of what God desires. Uh, I have been just newly amazed at the beauty of this amazing relationship that we have with the Father as we worship Him, as we step out, as we seek Him. He just graciously pours out his presence on us. And when I say his presence, I'm speaking of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God. And uh, just preaching on worship has given me a a different look at it. It makes you go a little deeper. Um, Worship has never been something that's been hard for me. Um, It's just a natural outflow. But I know that's not like that for everybody. But I didn't want to take this time for granted and just speak about how fun it is or how amazing it is to worship. But really wanted to look at the, the heart of God. Um, about worship this morning. If someone can get me a tissue, I would really appreciate it. Um, I don't want to sniff right the way through my preach. As we see this gracious God, it evokes a response in us. And that response is to worship him. Worship the giver of the gift. But as James said, worship is not just an expression. Worship is also the complete surrender of our lives to him. And we see that in Romans 12, where he speaks about how we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And that's good and right, but there is also clear scripture that speaks about how we are to express ourselves in worship. Um, So, before I begin at looking at those scriptures and looking at what it means to physically express our worship, before I begin, I want to just preface what I have to say by saying that I don't want to be prescriptive of the way worship looks for you. Worship is different for everybody because we're different people. Uh, God is a creative God and he created us to be different. But I do want to say this, worship needs to look like something. And uh, I was challenged by the scripture that says, where your treasure is, so your heart will be also. And this morning, my intention is to, to bring worship to you from scripture, hopefully from the heart of God, um, not to prescribe and to condemn or to judge, but to encourage you. Worship needs to look like something. God has, has been very clear in scripture that worship looks like something. But... I also know that there are moments in my life where things get really busy, where we can't enter into that place of worship like we would want to. And we are all a group of busy people. We live in the city. There are different demands on all of us. And they do prevent us from entering into that sweet and undistracted time of worship. But as I said earlier, if our hearts treasure Worship. If our hearts treasure the worship of the King, when we do prioritize that time, 
he meets with us. He meets our expectation. As a young mom, I remember really finding it hard to you know, have that undistracted time. And someone who worked as well, so I'm not wanting to just talk about being a mom, but I am a mom, so that's my point of reference. Um, but I, I remember feeling and saying to God, Lord, I need you. I need you, and when, when I came before him with that heart, that treasured worship, that treasured his presence, he met with me swiftly. It was always quick. I never had to spend hours like crying out, you know, because my heart was really needing and wanting to meet with him. And he always was so faithful in meeting me. So where your treasure is, where is your treasure, guys, in regards to worship? And this morning I hope that when we all leave here, we will be more stirred and encouraged to look and say, Lord, what are the areas I can change? What are the areas you want to do in me so that I can worship from a place of fullness? So number one is looking at the posture and physical expression of worship in our personal times of worship and also in our corporate times of worship. So when we gather as a church, church in the city, we meet corporately on Wednesdays and on Sundays, Wednesdays to pray, Sundays to to fellowship and listen to the word. So what does the physical act of worship look like? I said earlier, it needs to look like something. And this is why I say that. Psalm 149 verse one. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Psalm 147 verse seven. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise, make music to God on the harp. Psalm 149 verse 3, let them praise his name with dancing, make music, music to him with trimble, tim, timbrel, and harp. 2 Samuel 6 verse 14, wearing a linen ephod, right, pod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And then Jonah 2 verse 9, but I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And Ezra 3 verse 11, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So just to summarize that quickly, the expressions, only some, there are more. We worship with all our hearts, we worship with song, we worship with musical instruments, we worship with dance, we worship with shouts of praise, all scriptural references. So when someone next to you is freaking you out a little bit because they're doing something you're not comfortable with, just remember, it's scripture. They're doing what God has given them liberty to do, and it may challenge us, but that's okay. Worship on a Sunday is not a performance. We, we get up there not to play for you so that you'll say, oh, wow, that's so good. Listen to her voice. Or she, she didn't play the, co- the chords right. It's not a performance, guys. We are up there prepared and prayed up so that we can hopefully lead ourselves and you into a place of worship. So it's, it's, a, it's something that is on our hearts so much as a church, as a team um, of worshipers, that we are not here to perform for you. We are here to bring you into a place of worship.
Now that we've seen what Scripture says about the physical expression of worship in our bodies to a relational God, let's look at see what God says about our hearts. And that's always a little bit more, uh, what's the word, confrontational? No, maybe, hopefully not. Um, the posture of our hearts in personal and corporate worship. Number one, like we covered in uh, the first point, it's with all of our hearts. Whatever you do, do with all of your hearts. As a worship leader, I have the privilege and pleasure of seeing all of your faces when I stand and worship. And with that pleasure can sometimes come a challenge. And I'm going to be speaking about myself too, because I'm not always fully engaged when I'm up here. But I do see those who've come in with crease marks still on their faces, and you know their eyes are like puffy from just waking up, and normally takes you like a good three songs before you get into worship. Um, I get distracted too. Sometimes I'm up here, I'm thinking about everything else that needs to happen, and I'm not fully engaged. And the point I'm making is that the heart uh, sometimes is not in a good place. The heart it is not conducive to immediate and intentional worship. And it is actually a decision that we need to make. Uh, We need to come in and be decisive. We are going to engage. We are going to give everything that we are, all that we are, to worship. Um, We also have to face the devil's opposition. He doesn't want us to worship. When we worship corporately, things happen. Things are released in the spiritual realm. Things that we do not always understand Things are released within our own lives in worship, and we'll touch on that later. Worship is a biblical principle, and when we worship the way God wants us to worship, the gates of hell are pushed, they're shaken, and something happens. So my first sub-point under number two, and there's four, is that worship needs to adopt, the heart needs to adopt a posture of sacrifice and intentionality. James touched on the fact that worship is about God, but it is also about us. As we worship, God responds. But worship begins with making it about God. That's how it starts. Darlene Chick has a devotional in uh, version about worship. It's a short little devotional. I really enjoyed it. It's called Worship Changes Everything. And one of the days touched on being present in his presence. And I'm going to read just a short paragraph. It says, each of us have had a conversation with someone when we knew the other person wasn't really there. Physically, they were there. Words came out of their mouth. They looked in our direction, but we could just tell they weren't present. It is so easy to get distracted and not fully be in the moment but it is an art to learn how to stop and experience God. And so I think that applies to all of us at some point. And because we are flesh, the flesh is lazy, the flesh is selfish and distracted, and we need to all know what it means to make sure we are present in his presence. As with many things, it begins with an intentional decision. God wants our partnership and our participation. I think sometimes when we get here and we're tired, we kind of just want to stand and 
and just wait, you know, and experience a party with the angels. And I think that's sometimes what we think. And there are moments like that where God is so gracious and he pours out his presence. But most of the time, God requires our participation and our partnership in worship. He requires an intentional decision from us. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you will seek me and you find me when you seek me with all of your heart. There we go again, all of our hearts. Deuteronomy 4 verse 29 says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with your heart and with all of your soul. Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me. Isn't that beautiful? We can see from these scriptures that God requires us to be intentional. We get here, I know it's hot, and I commend you guys for being here. And I know it's a Sunday morning, but you're here. And if you're here, let's give, us, let's give God everything that we have. I don't want to just be here and just be complacent and see what happens. If I'm here and I've made the effort to meet with our Father, let's give Him our whole heart and our whole soul. So the second point under the posture of our hearts is to adopt a posture of expectation and faith. We need to have an attitude of expectation when we get here. God wants to meet with us. He loves us. We are his people. He pursues us. He delights in us. And he wants to spend time with us. We need to expect that. We know the promise that he has given us, the promise of his presence, the promise of relationship, the promise of freedom, the the personal promises that we're all trusting for. We need to come regardless of the week that we have had and just say, God, I expect you to move. I expect you to move. Those who know my name trust in you. This is from Psalm 9. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Never forsaken those who seek you. We know his name. We know his heart. We know his promises. And we can trust him and expect him to move because he is a relational God. For me, this has been a challenge. As a worship leader, when I get up there, I feel the weight and the responsibility of making sure my heart is in a place of expectation because I'm leading a team which is leading you guys into worship. And if I'm not up there expectant, then how can I expect anyone else to be? And so it is a challenge that we all have to walk through, regardless of where we're at. We need to expect God to move. We decide to trust him. We decide to believe him. We decide to be expectant. And God responds to our faith. The third point under our posture, the posture of our hearts, is we adopt a posture of thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, We enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Ezra 3.11, we we touching on that for a second time. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise because the foundation of the house was laid. Psalm 95 verse 2, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And I will give thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. 
You had to be careful with that word. Could have said something else. <laughs> Everyone okay? I know it's hot. You guys good? If you need to make fans and fan yourself, it won't be distracting. You guys all good? Awesome. So about Thanksgiving, there is something very important about Thanksgiving. And if you ask my family about Thanksgiving and gratitude, you will see that it is a point that I am passionate about. I cannot handle entitlement and I cannot handle ungrateful hearts. And unfortunately, in this nation, it is rampant among our young people and even in ourselves. We live in such a convenient culture where we expect things and we feel that we are entitled to things. And there is something in my heart that wells up and it's not pretty when it happens in my home. It's really not pretty. The revelation that I pray for on an ongoing basis is that the revelation I had when, when I saw Jesus, the revelation that comes that leads us to salvation, where we have that amazing, um, overwhelming revelation, I say it again, of what Jesus did for us. That revelation I pray all the time, please, Lord, let me not forget let me not forget what you've done. Because I know that if that was on my heart all the time, my life would look different and my worship would look different. We are owed nothing. Nothing. Jesus is owed everything. And honestly, that can be applied to every single area of our lives, no matter what we are going through. Jesus deserves everything, and we are owed nothing. We participate in a relationship of grace, a beautiful gift of grace. God, in his wisdom, knew the condition of the human heart. He knew we would forget. He knew that we couldn't live with that revelation, because sometimes it's too much. Like that sense of what God has done, I don't know about you, but it overwhelms me where I'm just like, God, I can't, you know? It overwhelms my heart. But God knew that. And that's why he tells us in his word, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. In every situation, give thanks. Because it brings us back to that place where we are forced to look at Jesus again and see what he has done. And we can worship him regardless of where we are at. And I'm not denying that there are things going on in your lives that may make you think you cannot worship Jesus through this. And I do understand things have happened in our lives that are awful. I'm not saying that. But we can give thanks because of who Jesus is, who he is. And regardless of where we are at and what's happened, that will never, ever change. And that is where our thanks comes from. Not for what we're in, not for what he's done even, but for who he is. Point four, in the posture of our hearts is a posture of no agenda. And this ties in with my last point. I emphasize that this is about Jesus. It's not about us. We don't worship to gain something. We worship because he is deserving. We give him our adoration and our praise, not even to enter into his presence, but because of who he is. Worshiping with no agenda 
shapes us to be more like Jesus. We become less about ourselves and more about him. By saying, God, this is not about me this morning. This is about you. This is all about you. It just forms a Christ-likeness in our hearts and creates us to be more like Jesus. When we just put aside everything we've been through, those little bubbles that can distract us as I was talking about, and we just say, Lord, this is all about you. And the amazing thing is, when we make God our agenda, he makes us his. Isn't it beautiful? Just the grace again. As we lift him up, he makes it about us. And he pours out his Holy Spirit. And then beautiful things happen. So number three, what happens when we worship? When we worship with intentionality, expectation, thanksgiving, and no agenda, God comes. And when he comes, he brings his anointing. And we are desperately in need of his anointing. I don't know about you, but I need it daily, sometimes more than just once. With his anointing, he enables us. That's what the anointing does. It enables us to be who he's called us to be. The anointing enables us to hear God. It enables us to be refreshed, to be healed and set free. It equips us and gives us direction on our lives. We need the anointing. And for the sake of time, and because it's super hot, I'm so aware of that, and I just thank you again for listening, participating with me in this. But I'm not going to focus on all of those points. I just want to raise two. Why we need the anointing. We need the anointing because we need to be a prophetic people. We need to hear God's voice. And we need the anointing because we need to be equipped and enabled. There is a mandate on us as Christians, but particularly recently as church in the city, we have felt God massage again and again and again. We need to preach the gospel. We do not need to wait for an event where we all go. We need to preach the gospel, just us, on our own, walking the streets, at a mom's group, in the grocery store, and we cannot be a people like that without his anointing. We need his enabling and we need his anointing. We hear his voice for our own selves, but we hear his voice in order to meet with people and to testify that there is a relational God who knows them. If we meet someone and God gives us a word for them, what a testimony that there is a relational God who knows them, a father in heaven who loves them. And we can be trusting for that. There's no reason why Any one of us here cannot go out and say, Lord, what is your heart for this person? It's not something that we need to wait for. It's something we can do right now. Even if it just means God loves you. That's it. We don't know what that means to that person. We need to be obedient. So we hear God to be a prophetic people, to reach the lost, to reach his people out there who do not know him. Genesis 3 verse 8 and 9 says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. How I would love the cool of the day right now. 
and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But God said, where are you? In the garden they heard his voice, because his voice and his presence are inseparable. A friend of ours who was in Denver when we were there for the equip spoke on worship, and he said this, the voice of God is found in the presence of God, and the presence of God is found in the worship of God. So beautiful. God wants us to be refreshed. He wants to give us his word for our lives. But once again, it's for his people. It's always for his people. Always. Everything he does is for his people. We are to eagerly desire to be a prophetic people. Eagerly desire. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3 one to three says, follow the, way and love, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. We are called to be a prophetic people. And the second thing, we need to be equipped And this is just a little brief um, endorsement, encouragement to you, that we need to say, God, we need your boldness. In Acts 1 and Acts 2, we saw what happened to Peter when the Holy Spirit came. They waited, he came, and they were emboldened to preach. And many were saved. We need that. John 20 verse 21, um, I read the scripture this morning, so it's not up there. But I loved it. It said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then later on, receive the Holy Spirit. Just beautiful. Okay, so one of the things, some of the things, point four, that prevent us from worshiping God. The two things I want to touch on is that I feel for some of us, we have allowed lenses or veils to come on us through different circumstances that prevent us from seeing God as a good father. And I don't believe that we can worship unless we see him as a good father. And I pray that over you guys this morning. If there is anything that you have walked through, that you have been through, that you have taken on maybe someone else's struggle, maybe someone else's disappointment, that have clouded you from seeing God as a good God. He wants to deal with that this morning. He wants you to see him as a good father because he is good. And we can't worship him in the fullness of the way he desires for us to worship him unless we see him as good. And so we are hopefully going to have some ministry afterwards. And those of you who feel like that is for you, um, we really would love to pray over that. I think the disappointments can be so subtle that we don't actually realize that we've taken it on. Um, It could be an unanswered prayer. It could be an unmet expectation. It could be these very small things which will just tint the lens and prevent us from seeing God as a good father. And so let's, uh, let's be trusting that we are able to to deal with that this morning, if that is for us. And then the second thing, which ties in quite closely with that, is that um, 
I think when we walk with God for a long time, we can go through seasons where uh, we just are a little hopeless. We just miss it. We miss the whole point of what we're doing. And I'm being humble and vulnerable. I'm not being humble. Well, I'm humble. I'm vulnerable by saying that recently just I went through that. I was like, God, what is this all for? You know, are you even there? Like the things that you've promised, are they even real? And just that sense of hopelessness and lack of faith in my God just immobilized me completely. And I just was like, blur. And I had to just make sure I went into God's presence and really just, I know Steve doesn't like this word, pressed in. He was like, he doesn't, what does that even mean, pressed in? But we all know what we mean, right? I had to really press in and just find that faith again and find that uh, hope that is for us, for us all. And so hopelessness and a lack of faith and just blur can keep us from that place of of worship. Galatians 2 verse 16 says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith. And once again, we see that it's an intentional decision that we need to just sometimes believe, regardless of how we feel. God, I believe. And that is what our our faith is based on, what we do not see. We hope in what we do not see, but we know in his word that he's faithful and we stand on that. We decide to stand on that. And then my closing scripture is, now the Lord is the spirit. It's from 2 Corinthians 3. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so for me, my heart this morning for you is that there would be no veils, there would be no lenses, there would be no filters on your eyes and that you would be able to behold the glory of God, the beauty of our relationship with with Him, the good Father who pours out His presence on us when we worship and seek Him with everything we have, and that we would be a people, a church in the city, a family that would be able to worship in complete freedom, unveiled, and experience the glory of God. And that's it, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being in this heat. I so appreciate it. And I really appreciate the opportunity from the elders just to share my heart with you. I've loved it. And uh, I don't know if you said it, but I'm not always worship leading and preaching. So it just happened to be that we're short staffed today. So thank you guys. And I'm just going to pray for us and uh, take it from there. Father, we thank you so much for For your presence, we thank you so much, God, that even though we don't understand it all, you are a gracious God who pursues us, who wants to be with us. Regardless of what we've done, regardless of how we see ourselves, regardless, God, of even what we will do, you know that all, and you still choose to pursue us. Jesus, we thank you for the death on the cross. We thank you for what that has done. 
that God, you see his righteousness in us. You do not see our own. And as we step out in faith, in hope, with thanksgiving and sacrifice to seek you with our whole heart, God, would you meet us? Would you meet us? Would you pour your presence over us? Would you equip us, Lord, to reach your people, God, that we would be able to see the lost saved, that we would be able to see dynamic encounters with people where we walk away saying, that was God. It was not me. It was not the prayer I prayed. It was God. And I pray for more of that. I ask you for more of that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you said, peace be with you. Go, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And right now, Lord, we posture ourselves to receive you. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you enable? Would you commission? Would you anoint to do all you've called us to do? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can always check out more messages at churchinthecity.us or on iTunes.